Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Horse Geeks podcast, where we look at horses and riding from the inside out. I'm Kirsten Nelson, professional horse trainer, and with me, my good friend, Deb Romero, certified Alexander Technique instructor. And today's topic, I know we've covered this in the past before, but it came up again. <laughs> it came up uh, again. As it does. Um, so today's topic is sort of talking about straight on a circle and what that means. And Deb, why are we sort of covering? <laughs> why are we here today? <laughs> why? I just um, went to meet with a new client, um, a mom and a pony, a sixteen-year-old pony club girl, and I. I'm always taken back when they are still teaching what I call the banana theory, which is the horse is supposed to bend their spine. To go around a circle. Yeah. And so I was in the ring. And luckily, the mom is a physical therapist. So it was pretty easy to explain to her. I said, well, draw a circle. Mm -hmm. And I want you to bend your bend your body like we're trying to do with our horses to go around a circle. Does that feel right? <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> <laughs> she goes, no, that feels terrible. And I'm like, yeah. yeah. I said the kinematics of the legs are not correct. So yeah, that's maybe why your horse has hawk injections. I don't know. But anyway. it also is going to weaken all the sort of oblique muscle group that oh. make it makes the exactly. the leg stance is going to get narrower and narrower because the legs are going the wrong way. And that's and, what she said. Look at how base narrow my horse is. I was like, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah. And people look at base narrow as like a confirmation point. And I go, when the <sighs> when the front legs, especially when the hind legs and the front legs are sort of closer together. So the front legs, there's little space between the two front legs or there's very little space between the two hind legs. That's what we call base narrow. And I even had a farrier tell me you shoe them differently. And I'm like, why? Because in wow. my mind, I go, that is. That's huge. I said, that's a muscular issue. That's not a confirmation point, especially if you consider the entire thoracic sling is all soft tissue. Mm -hmm. So the horse's two front legs are free floating. So if they're base narrow, that's a muscle issue. That's not a confirmation right. point because the front legs are not attached skeletally to the rib cage. They float in those slings of muscle. And depending on the muscle tension and the muscle use and where it's atrophied, where it's strong, the distance, especially between those front legs, can drastically mm -hmm. increase. And so... Yeah. It goes hand in hand with straight on a circle that the horses tend to interfere on the medial side or the inside of their hooves. Mm. And they just start to get narrower and narrower because you're not working those oblique muscle groups correctly. The adductors and abductors. Yeah. And this so, idea yeah. that from nose to tail, the horse's midline should bend into the same shape as the circle. I go, that's in all these magazines. I know. Still today. I know. That's what the mom said. She goes, well, I just read an article. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And when you actually look at 
the more advanced research, not even that advanced, we're talking the 60s, the 70s, the 90s, into the early 2000s, we now have modern research that tells us that isn't actually how it works. It works a little differently than what we thought 100 years ago, which is true with human bodies and human sports medicine. Mm -hmm. We didn't know, right? Even though we have classical sports training, it's like we update that in the light of new knowledge. And I Jean think Lou- that's, yeah, that's what really just takes me back to think that these old theories are still being taught when the information is out there, like you said, not that new, right. 60s through the 90s of new research done on horse movement. And like I said, Centaur Biomechanics out of the UK, they're on the forefront of doing studies on horse movement. So, and it's out there, it's on Facebook, it's available to all. Absolutely. And that was one of the greatest things I learned working with Jean-Luc Corneal, who has uh, his website, Science of Motion, is that we have to go out and seek the information. We have to read these research papers because horse training goes back thousands of years Mm -hmm. and it doesn't get easily updated. (laughs) <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's like Kinda we're like on the Alexander technique has been around a hundred years and hard you not very many people know about it. Exactly. Yeah. And Alexander technique, the modern research supports mm-hmm. the work that was done a hundred years ago. Right. And in the horse business, the modern research doesn't always support the explanation of the classical masters. And so it's not that the classical masters were wrong or didn't know what they were talking about, but we didn't have the language or the research to really be accurate. And with the body, it's about accuracy. It's totally about accuracy. It's physics. Like we've said before, it's pure physics. Yeah. And you can't take a theory about a body and sort of make it work because that's what the ancient old masters said would work if we hold it up against the light of new knowledge and modern research. If that theory or that explanation was accurate, it would hold up to modern research. So that old idea, which is pretty traditional, it's how I learned to ride Mm -hmm. circles, it's how we all learned, Mm -hmm. that you want the horse's spine to take the shape of the circle. Mm -hmm. I go, that's just been disproven for so long. And yet, it is the most prevalent belief in our modern horse world. Mm -hmm. And it's the cause. It's why vets tell us, don't do circles. Don't do lateral. Oh, that's right. Like the vets recognize the problem, but they don't necessarily have the training solution. Right. They just tell us, don't do circles. Don't do straight do, lines. And I'm do like, straight lines. Ooh. Just do straight lines. And that's the best they can do in the situation. I get it. Right. Because it's, it's advice that will be less damaging if people have the wrong concept of how to ride on a circle or how their horse should be coordinated on a circle. And I call it the same thing. I go, your horse is not a banana. Like I call it the banana theory. Yeah. The banana theory (laughs) of the midline. 
I go, there's just so much wrong with that. And it was, it was actually, it was sort of the popular belief or what we knew at the time when even science used to think that every vertebra of the horse's spine moved in equal amounts, had an equal range mm -hmm. of motion. Now we know that's not the case. Right. And it if was you also... think about it structurally, if you actually look at the anatomy of all of that, it's it's very obvious. Yes. If, now, if to you us, just look, yeah, yes. if you just look at the bones of the spine, you can go, oh, yeah, well, the lumbar and the sacrum, not very movable just by yes. looking at their structure and mass. Yeah. And on a quadruped, like I think the first understanding from the human perspective was that the horse's spine is a lot like ours as bipeds, mm -hmm. right? That there's sort of a roughly equal range of motion possible between all of the vertebra with the lumbar a little more restricted and, you know, different areas of the spine with more or less, but not that great a difference in range of motion. And in any quadruped, especially the horse, which is why we ride them, is because in their thoracolumbar spine, the range of motion is so tiny. It's, it's measured in millimeters, right? And it's so minuscule that at one time, even saddle fitters and vets considered it unimportant because it was so small. Wow. That that range of motion. So like, like we talked about when we did the review of Jean-Marie Denois's research paper, I forget the title of it, but way back in 1999, he's saying the full range of motion between a lifted back in flexion on a horse and a completely dropped back in spinal extension on a horse, that entire up-down range of motion only is 52 or 54 millimeters. Mm. That's the complete range of motion. Now, when we add in muscle and soft tissue, what we feel as a rider feels massive. It's, it right. feels much right. bigger than that. But the range of motion for the vertebra, uh, especially in that thoracolumbar spine, is really measured in millimeters. So that's maybe two and a quarter inches. Right. It's not that big Are you of talking a like up and down flexion extension? Yes. So the up yeah. down okay. of the horse's back. Okay. Right? The up down movement. And then we have lateral bending of the spine, which doesn't happen equally from nose to tail in the horse. Right. Right. It's much greater through the neck than it ever can be through the thoracolumbar spine. Mm -hmm. And it's much, the range of motion is naturally more available in the upper thoracic than it is compared to the lower thoracic or the lumbar. Right. Right. So the spine doesn't bend equally throughout, which is the entire premise of bending your horse's midline to the shape of the circle. That's what that theory, that's what that instruction is based on. Uh -huh. That the, the horse's entire spine laterally flexes in equal amounts between all the vertebra. Since at least like as it goes back to the early research in the 50s and 60s, but really confirmed in the early 2000s, even late 19, um, 1999, 
that now we know that's not true. Some parts of the spine have a huge range of motion laterally, like the neck on the mm -hmm. horse, but then the upper back, it's more restricted. And once you get kind of past the rider's thigh all the way to the tail, there's very minuscule, tiny restricted amounts for lateral bending side to side. And so if we're trying to make our horses midline the shape of the circle, we end up overly flexing some parts of the spine, overly mm. bending the spine mm -hmm. in some parts, which is creating a lockup or a restriction in other parts. Right. It's just the law of um, biomechanics, which, you know, the, the stabilization has to occur somewhere. 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 And, and so that idea, which is based on flawed theory, right? But the new theory, it's like it hasn't disseminated. I swear the whole horse <laughs> world is still on dial up. <laughs> I thought like, that's a good way to put it. It's like, no, science has <sighs> moved us up to like fiber optics and the horse world is still, no, no, we just like dial up. We're fine. We don't We're need fine. to. <laughs> fine here. Just, yes. Yeah. Go to hawk injections and why is my horse lame? And yeah, all of that. Right. right. Exactly. And it's a direct, but I'm with you. It's like the prevalence of that idea is so, so perpetuated mm -hmm. in our horse industry that I go, no wonder we have such a high rate of lameness, breakdown, behavioral issues, problems with performance. Even if we take a beautifully bred horse that's just born mm -hmm. an athlete, you know, how we ask that body to function. If we're still trying to turn them into a banana to make a circle, you're just going to keep compromising the inherent talent. Like the horse can kind of work around it and get the job done for many years, but it's not building the strength of the body. It's taxing. Right. It's abusing it as far as I'm concerned. You know, it's not using it correctly. And it's just like humans. I mean, that's what happens to us as we age or have trauma. It's always amazing to me when somebody has a trauma, say a broken leg, and they go into PT and that the leg that was broken performs better than the one. That oh, interesting. And have the PT. And I'm like, yeah, when you pay attention to it and use it correctly. You retrain it to better you function. You retrain it to work better. Mm -hmm. And and you see athletes, you know, are like that all the time. They're on the forefront, human athletes of research and education. Because the whole reason I teach what I teach is because it helps overcome it. Well, first of all, you reduce your risk of mm -hmm. injury. Number one, you're right. You're a, you're reducing risk of injury. You're gaining a competitive advantage by it for the long term. Yeah, not only for the long term, but it's like a horse that is more <clears throat> ideally coordinated mechanically is going to run faster, jump higher, mm -hmm. be more agile, turn faster, and less prone to injury or illness. When we use the body yeah, incorrectly, yeah, they, yeah. you have the opposite effect. 
And that's what they say about the Alexander technique is it, it even makes a bank robber, a better bank robber. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because you're using yourself better. You flow better. Everything works better. No. And that's what fascinates me about, I mean, I call it rehab training, but the type of changes to coordination, like you do mm -hmm. with Alexander technique for people I do with horses and riders and it's the very same training, whether I'm helping a horse recover from idiopathic lameness mm -hmm. or a painful lameness from an injury or rehabbing behavior, trying to get the horse right. safe or right. starting a young horse or working with a performance horse to increase performance or um, enhance performance. I go, it's all the same work. It just doesn't, you know, you can arrive at it while you're still healthy and benefit, or you arrive at it as the last chance solution mm. for big behavioral problems or big lameness issues or big performance issues. I go, that's how most people arrive at it now, like I did, because there was nothing else out there to solve these problems. I, I just wish the problems weren't there. You know, that's, wouldn't it be nice if it wasn't considered rehab work? Yeah, but as long as straight on a circle means <laughs> turning our horse into a banana, Bam. we're going to keep breaking horses down. And it's not my opinion. Like, it's not I don't... an opinion at all. It's it's fact. I go, the farriers see it, the vets see it, the body mm -hmm. workers see it, but the trainers are, Jean-Luc used to say, the curators of the museum. <laughs> the, the, carriers of tradition, right? And so the training and even the judging, like in some oh, of the, true. some of the competitions that are subjectively judged, where you're, mm -hmm. it's not a timed event or, you know, different faults. The ones that are subjectively judged are perpetuating a lot of these traditions mm. that are really acting against our horse's best possible use. It's a wonder they don't just kill us, you know? I know. That's a whole nother <laughs> podcast. I've actually, I know, I've been thinking about horsepower a lot. And I horse go, it's, power. it's kind of amazing that is, you know, horsepower is one of those things we use to describe cars and rockets. And it's like, and yet these horses don't kill us, even when I we know, get it it's wrong. it's just amazing. They're so gentle. And they try. Most of them. I mean... I mean, they can be pushed to the point that yeah. they're, they're going to protect themselves like any living creature. But for the most part, they cooperate with us. These thousand pound animals I know, they're, they're cooperate so... with us. So anyways, back on trap, we, we digress. We digress. Oh. So the question I get all the time, and I don't know, like, I think it's brilliant that you asked this what did you say? She's a physical therapist. The mom is a physical therapist. So yeah. I. So you said, is this how you would walk a circle? Walk on a circle. So I had her draw right. a circle in the arena and I said, well, walk like that. Tell me how that works for you. Upright. Yeah, because I've, Upright. Even, I've even had people get and you can try this at home oh, in that's the privacy a good one. of your own home. Get down on all <laughs> fours. <laughs> and. Bend around a circle, see and how that works. Bend. Yeah, try to mimic what you're asking your horse to do, right? 
And you'll find if you try to shape even your human spine, which does bend more equally between each vertebra. Yeah, it does. It does. But even that, if you try to go around a circle on all fours, what you're going to find is your back tilts to the inside. You're going to have a rotation. Yeah. Or the outside. And you're going to mm -hmm. find it's, you're going to overload your front, your hand, which would be your front leg or your knee, which would be your hind leg. And it's going to hurt. You're going to feel all that body weight shift and you'll mm -hmm. feel the muscle tension from that. Right. And so I go yep. try it for yourself, because when we sort of put ourselves in that horizontal position on hands and knees, we're closer to understanding what our horse feels, even though we have a very short neck and our spine has a different construction, we kind of get a general idea of the the strain that we're putting our horse under the level of discomfort from that theory yeah so maybe we should talk about actually what's supposed to be happening yeah that's what i was thinking is that usually the first question i get when i try to gently explain that that is outdated theory um it's the first question I get is, well, then how on earth does a horse get around a circle? Mm -hmm. Because they're so long, right? Mm -hmm. And if you think of the tiniest circle would be a pirouette or a spin, and a bigger circle would be 20 meters or 50 feet, right? So there's all different size circles. And I go, they get around a circle the same way they do a turn on the haunches, Right. So a turn on the haunches is the spine is straight and you're asking the horse to move the front end while the inside hind leg sort of pivots. Right. Right. So the outside hind leg moves, the inside hind leg sort of pivots. And if the inside hind leg steps forward, that would be a pirouette. On a spin, it really just pivots. So right. let's, that's the most extreme version of a circle, right? right? And if you think you're going to bend your horse and achieve either of those movements, you're not, mm -hmm. right? Not without a lot of drama, a lot of pushing, some spurs, some whips, some bamboo poles. And even then <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be athletic or pretty. So the way a horse's body ideally goes around a circle, and this will bring us all the way back to that base narrow thing, is this from the skull or the horse's pole all the way to the tail should feel like a broomstick, not a banana. Right? And so I go... And a lot of times I'll grab a muck fork because I go... That's a good idea. The length of a muck fork is almost the length of a normal adult horse, right? And then I go, I put the fork side on the back, kind of like right. the, the hindquarters. That's cool. And I'll have somebody ride the muck fork like a hobby horse and go, okay, make a circle. And they can walk, trot, or canter with this muck fork, sort of holding the muck fork between their legs, and it never has to bend, and you get around the circle. So I go, that's the horse's spine. And that's what also keeps the back level. So they're not overloading 
the inside or outside legs. The rotation They're, part, they're not yeah. shifting the shoulders in and out. They're not losing stability on the hindquarters. And so the horse's spine should feel just like that muck fork, just like that broomstick handle. And the horse's legs adduct and abduct. Now, what does that mean? Okay. Ad abduction just means the leg is moving away from the midline. Right. Right. So if the left front leg is abducting on a circle, it's reaching, say, a, if you're on a left circle, the left front leg should be reaching away from the midline in the direction of travel. And the opposite front leg is adducting, which means moving towards the midline of the horse, right? So they turn by moving the legs in a slightly lateral direction, adducting and abducting. So I there's think that's a... the important piece is that people, I and I've seen some horses that, you know, that's a whole new way of moving. That It brings is us one back of... to the base narrow thing. It's one of the most important parts of rehab. Oh, I totally agree. Right? So uh, without a diagram, you guys will have to picture this. So if the midline of the horse is that muck fork, it's broomstick straight and the back is level left to right the entire time, right? Then to come around the circle, the sequence of events is the ins inside hind is going to adduct. It's going to step forward towards the midline. And the outside hind leg is going to abduct. It's going to step forward, but away from the midline. That changes the angle and trajectory of the hindquarter. That's where Mm -hmm. your steering is, right? So that puts the pelvis on the turn with that leg movement, not the spine. It just repositions the pelvis by moving the leg slightly laterally, right? Then the back is straight and level. So then the inside front leg has to reach in the direction of travel and the outside front leg reaches towards the midline. And that's what brings the front end around, right? So when we are steering with the reins, it's actually the steering as well as the balance comes like a rudder in a boat. It, it's actually behind us. Right. It's not in front of us. And I think that's the other danger of trying to shape our horse into a banana for a circle is we're thinking all the steering has to happen up front through the neck and shoulders and that the hindquarters will follow. Or that, you know, with my work, it's that stimulus of of the circle itself. You know, the thought of I have to stay on the circle. Yeah. And a circle straight yeah. on a circle should feel more like riding a stop sign. It, it's like, <laughs> it's just That's a couple a of, one. yeah, it's like a couple of steps straight. And then the feeling of a, of a small pivot at the, at the turn. And in that pivot, that's why I said it feels a little more like a turn on the haunches, right? It's almost so that, to me, I get a vision of a square, you know, that it's these little square movements around the circle. Does that make sense? Yeah. That or it's you're like right. a, I get, I visualize in my head, I have a circle with a square in it. 
and it kind of rides that way. Or maybe an octagon would be better. Something like that, where you're making yeah. these minute movements yeah. to stay so straight. Something like if you were riding a very small circle, a square would be a good image. And if you're riding right. a big circle, something like a hexagon or an octagon yeah. or um, something that is a series of a straight line at an angle with a pivot point and like then another that. short like line yeah. and a pivot point. And that by maintaining the top line, the spine, the midline, that's our job as a rider. So when we turn our seat in the saddle, a tiny little amount, that's, I like to tell people the steering wheel actually lives under our seat bones. It's not up here in our hands. That's a good one. Right? Yeah. So when we pivot the center of the horse to maintain that straight line, little pivot, straight line, little pivot, then that's what helps our horse figure out, oh, I need this leg here and that leg there and this leg does this and that leg does that. That's how you restore the correct leg kinematics, mm -hmm. right? Is by keeping the midline straight and stable, not bending it into a banana. The only way the horse can get around a circle is by adducting and abducting the legs. And that, like so many people, and I see this on Facebook all the time, what are some exercises to increase the strength in my horse's oblique muscles or, you know, things like that? And everybody's still recommending ground poles. And I go, actually... Well, Centaur Biomechanics disproved that. So yes, well, if because... they want the research, it's out there. Just like the idea that straight on a circle involves bending the midline, ground poles can destabilize the midline, just like circles ridden incorrectly can destabilize the midline. And as soon as that midline is not broomstick straight, the leg kinematics go the wrong way. Where the leg should be abducting, it starts adducting, mm -hmm. right? And that can happen on all legs. So instead of like, say on a left circle, the left front leg should abduct, reaching away from the midline, and the right front leg should go towards the midline, adduct. But if you bend the spine into a banana, and you guys can videotape yourself doing this, it it's, it's dynamic and predictable. This is it not is. my opinion, right? Right. So if you videotape doing a circle both ways, right? And your horse might struggle to do it correctly. If you've been doing the banana thing for a while, you're going to have some tight shoulders. And that's but a good point because they might not have the capability. Might be quite hard. Yeah. It, yeah. That's yeah. But if you look at where are the horse's legs going laterally when I ride a circle, just start with the way you've been trained or you believe, or you've read in all the magazines, how to be, you know, bend on a circle watch the legs, right? And watch the top of the pelvis because I guarantee the front legs will either go straight at best or the wrong direction more likely. So the left front leg will go towards the midline and the right front leg will go away from the midline on a left circle. That's opposite. And then if you watch the top of the pelvis or the saddle, you'll see a lot of tilting left mm -hmm. and right. So instead of the saddle remaining level on that circle or the hindquarters, if you're riding, you could look back on the top of the hindquarters and you'll see a tilting effect 
through the saddle and the hindquarters by trying to bend your horse into a banana. It's it's just going to happen. Like I and, that, and, that, and correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe we've talked about this before, but be, because we're asking for the banana, that you're going to get rotation in the rib cage. Yes. Right. So rotation is a twisting function of the spine in us and horses. Right. Right. So in us, rotation is if we twist our torso left and right. Right. And in the horse, if we're looking sort of bird's eye view down on a horse's barrel, that same twisting function, we feel as a rolling effect of the barrel. We feel or the like barrel... you said, oh, my gosh, look at my saddle. It's always hanging out on the right. Yes. <laughs> or if you watch yourself on video, it would the rotation function would manifest as the tilting of the right. pelvis. Right. And I've even had trainers tell me you want the inside side of the pelvis and the inside leg to be lower than the outside. And that's part of the whole bend your horse into the a banana, banana theory. theory. Mm -hmm. And what you... happens is mm -hmm. when the inside hind wow. adducts or goes towards the midline too much, right, and the pelvis tilts lower on the inside, the you're not actually engaging the hindquarters anymore because that inside hind leg, as it hits and crosses the midline of the horse, you've now disengaged the hindquarters. You've not so then you've got them. stress on the stifle and the hop. Yes, hop. and the the leg will typically land at an oblique angle rather than vertical. So you'll get more concussive forces on the outside of the hoof, right? And it'll go up through all the leg joints with sort of a left to right shear through the joints. That's not ideal rather because those hind leg joints are really meant for straight forward and back movement, not really lateral movement, Okay. Right? So on a, straight on a circle to me, means I've got this broomstick midline tracking straight turn, straight turn, straight turn. And the turns are kind of micro amounts, right? But the yeah, legs, like the legs are reaching. So the legs moving forward in a slight lateral direction. Sometimes you can't even see it on a big circle. True. Right? It's very slight. It's very slight. It keeps the legs, it keeps the pelvis level, the back level, the slight lateral movement of the legs is what repositions the hindquarter to the new change of direction on a circle. Same for a turn, and a circle is just a constant turn, right? So that's, I like that, yeah. Yeah, that's all a circle is. And so when you're, the hind leg lateral movement that's so slight, we don't have to see it. That changes the direction of the tail or the rudder, right? And then the front end kind of follows that. And so the front end, the hind end shifts slightly outward on the circle and the leg movement, which is opposite on the front legs, brings the front end of the horse inward on the circle. So the hindquarters shift out a little, front end shifts in a little. And that way the spine never needs to bend 
and it's so subtle it's hard to even mm -hmm. see the difference in a horse that's you know not excessively bent on the circle or one that's tracking straight on a circle it can visually right. be kind of a subtle difference so when i can see a horse bend the neck on a circle there's way too much way well, that's too a good much. point when you can when you can see it then you know it's way overdone yeah yeah i think that that also taking putting the alexander technique into the equation of changing the thought of how that happens in the human because yeah we, because we can walk a very tight circle without any sort of banana shape through our spine right so can, there's a whole muscle memory around it of how to execute it and changing those software and in our own body asking different questions of our horse yeah because the sad part like i know you know you brought it up when we pulled up the zoom for for the podcast it's like oh it's making me crazy i it's keep running into this <laughs> <laughs> and i think the more we know i think what makes you crazy makes me crazy about this is in your mind, you're just going every time the rider has that concept in their head, mm -hmm. it's like a, it's a slow motion problem for the horse's body that oh, can just put it. become a landslide at a certain point. And you've got now a painful lameness issue. Mm -hmm. You now have atrophied muscles that should be working and overworked muscles that are trying to compensate and tightness where there doesn't need to be tightness and weight where there doesn't need to be weight all because of that freaking concept that has yeah. been carried on too and long and the bone shear like you said the bone shear of the joints changes and it's the same with people i mean bad use is bad use <laughs> Yes. And joints are going to take the toll of bad use. Well, and we don't pay for it immediately, just like the no. horse's body. That's, that's the problem. Totally I think mm -hmm. that's the problem with why the information gets out so slowly is in the human body, we don't pay for our bad habits until we're hitting middle age and mm -hmm. elderly, you know, and then all of our little habits have now created hip joint issues or knee issues or arthritis in the mm -hmm. shoulders. And we, we think, oh, because it took so long, we associate it with aging. We go, I'm you just know, that, getting old. That's a real good point. I have a story <laughs> around that because when I was training Welsh ponies, oh, I was my late teens, early 20s. Um, I was having so much hip pain. And of course, so I went to the doctor and they said, oh, you need both hip replaced at the age of 19. Oh, my God. I did not and, know that. Oh, no, I, didn't, I, I don't think you ever one. told me that. Yeah. Um, and that freaked me out, of course. And I, I even set it all up. I was going to do it. And then at the last minute, I backed out because I was going to be laid up for a year. Oh, and my income wise, I could not <laughs> be laid up not work for a year. So, and even my friend who's a massage therapist 
you know, always looked at me like, oh, you're going to be between the two of us. You're going to be the one getting hip replacements, not me. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) and then I, I welcomed the Alexander technique and all of that has pretty much gone away. Yeah, I ride, I actually ride with less pain in my fifties now. I have no pain, I should say, where when I was a teenager coming up as a jump rider, Mm -hmm. I constantly had low back and knee pain and even some ankle pain. And it was like, I just thought that was part of the deal of being athletic is that you have aches and pains. But when I started changing how I was riding, I had zero pain. It actually strengthened some of the weaker areas of my body and made me change some of my own habits of coordination in order to ride better. And as a horse trainer, you're always using your body as the main tool of transforming the horse's coordination. And so to to be a good jockey is one thing and win a show, but to actually influence the horse's movement in a positive way, you kind of have to get your act together too. You have to really work on yourself. You hit the nail on the head. It's not just the horse. It's, you know, the rider needs to be very attentive and aware, kinesthetically aware of their own use. But I think what scares me about this particular tradition that we're talking about is even after learning to use my body better, communicate better with the horse and do lots of things that improve the horse's movement, if I still had the concept of the banana midline on a circle, I would just be taking two steps forward, two steps back, two steps forward, two steps back. I would not be actually moving a horse forward because I would be undoing all the balance I worked on off of circles would then go out the window on a circle, right? Or even lateral work. People still think the whole midline is what bends. I go in correct lateral work, you're only flexing the pole and you're only asking the spine to bend between a small window of T9 to T14. I go, that's a very small area of the kind of upper to mid thoracic spine. Right. And so, or actually, I guess the mid thoracic to lower, there's 18 thoracic. So you're in between nine and 14, which is just really around our leg. It's not that big of a distance. Right. And unless we know that about correct lateral bending, we think all lateral bending means turn the midline from a straight line into a banana or a curve. And that just causes a cascade of issues. I guess that's the best way to put it. It just throws the whole body out of Mm -hmm. balance. And we think of it as a as a um, movement, as a goal, instead of feeling what's going on underneath us to achieve that. Our yeah, brain I still have automatically clicks to the maneuver and in that process. I still have riders all the time think that the only way to ride a circle is inside leg to outside ring. I go, that is the instruction that goes hand in hand with Mm -hmm. banana my horse's spine onto the shape of a circle. Those two things go hand in hand. And if you, I can walk into 
any barn in the U.S. today and find at least three people still really wholeheartedly working diligently on that theory. And Instead it doesn't, of it's not even English writers. It can be Western wow. writers as well. So like, it's instead of thinking of, and this is so true for the work I do, it doesn't matter what the maneuver is. What matters is the correct use of the spine. Yes. That's and sometimes we can. To. How do I turn left and still keep my spine straight? Yes. That's what it is. And <laughs> just to throw out there into the world through this podcast, it's possible. It is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not asking for something we haven't actually achieved, people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so people think, how on earth, like when you're really kind of mired in that belief system of the banana spine on a circle or banana spine for lateral work, you almost can't imagine how it would be possible something different. And the answer is in the leg kinematics. Right. If the spine is stabilized in a, a non-bending straight alignment and the rotation function, the twisting function is stabilized, so there's no rolling of the barrel, tilting of the pelvis, then the horses very quickly, they may have to work through some tightness in the muscles, right. but they very naturally and very quickly figure out the legs need to move inward and outward to get around the turn. And that's yeah, actually I mean, I... how you restore. So while vets are saying, never do circles on this lame horse, in the privacy of my own training barn, <laughs> I go, I do circles all the time to restore yeah. soundness. But it, it is, circles. it's, it's a two-edged sword. Yeah, it's not it's the, the circle straightness itself. straightness on the circle that matters. Yes. And I tell and people. Yeah. I go, doing circles is a two-edged sword. If you do them incorrectly, it is the fastest way to break your horse down. Mm -hmm. And that's the banana on the circle will break your horse down, right? And, and not my opinion. No, you know, it's, it's Oh, judges are maybe going to tell me I'm wrong. And every magazine tells me that's not true. Even some experts in books are going to say differently. I go, try it. The body isn't going to lie to you. It's not my opinion. I just want to know how things work, and this is how things work. And try it on yourself. I mean, try it on yourself and video yourself. videotape it on yeah. your horses, right? But circles are a two-edged sword. I go, if you ride a circle on that banana theory or do lateral work, trying to bend your horse's midline into a banana, it is the fastest way to create lameness and different issues in your horse. But if you take that idea, I could ride a circle or could even do lateral work with the pole straight, with the midline like a broomstick, straight front to back, level left to right, and then try the very same circle or the very same lateral movement, right? So it like- It takes reorganization. I mean, it's not immediately because, you know, you're, you're changing- the you're changing the, everything. You're changing the process from the brain to the limb. <laughs> yes, it's a long you're distance. Asking, you know, so it it's just as hard for the horse as it is for the human to change. To change, that. yes. Yeah, that yeah. you know, because you're running get... into every weak muscle, every yeah. tight muscle, as exactly. well as 
sort of that feeling in the horse. I don't know where my legs go all Yeah. of a sudden. yeah. How do I do this? It's kind of like I tell people it's like learning a new language or uh, a, a musical instrument. The ABCs at the beginning are hard and, you know, you've really got to focus, but the flow comes later. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you guys at home try this with your horses and videotape, the first time you ask your horse to go around a turn even, or a large circle with the midline straight, your horse will struggle. Absolutely. Yeah, they, It will not be easy. it, yeah, so please Mm be -hmm. forgiving. Yes. Be <laughs> gentle. be gentle, because it, it's just as difficult for you to not, you know, make mistakes as it is for them. Yes. No, and the, the body, like sort of, I guess we call it muscle memory, is set up for a different coordination. And so Right. when you go to alter coordination, it's a big deal. It takes some It's kind time. of like going to PT and having somebody, you know, It's exactly No, we're going like to do PT. it this way. Yes. <laughs> And you're like, we're going to what? do it like that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I go, even though That's I've had, how it's supposed to work. Oh. What? I know, I go, I've had my left hand my whole life. It doesn't mean it's as good as my right hand. You know, <laughs> no, it's and I'm like, the opposite. So. yeah. And I go, but having to work left-handed on certain tasks or be ambidextrous, I go, that takes a little bit of effort, a little bit of work and practice to be able, even though it's been here my whole life, I haven't used it equally, right? And same with you, you're left-handed. So your right hand, I go, you've had it your whole life, doesn't mean you use it well. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what changing coordination is, is like all of a sudden trying to brush your teeth with the other hand. Yeah, You, that's you can fun. do it, but it's awkward. It's, it's like, ugh, this is annoying. If we can just be curious and laugh about, laugh through it, we'll get to the other side. Or even when you helped me use the muck fork differently for picking stalls, because the, the way I had learned to pick stalls, I was putting this twist into every movement. Right. And it was killing my back. I was like, why am I so sore when I muck stalls? And so you're like, well, you're going to have to kind of rearrange and think about this and do that. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to take me an hour to muck one stall. And that's <laughs> yeah. but if I didn't change it, I was I had the choice in that moment. Do I slow Good down point. and repeat it, even though it takes me longer to do the same job? Or do I suffer the pain <laughs> of doing it the wrong way and maybe wreck my body in the process? push through it that whole Yeah. there's another whole theory of pushing through things Right. Right. So we can feel things like that for ourselves. And it gives, it sometimes gives the rider when I'm working with the horse, I go, okay, we're going to make this small change for you in how you ride. And say it's like, you've got to straighten out your lumbar spine a little bit. You can't keep arching your low back, right? 15 minutes later, that rider who rides five times a week, walk, trot, and canter, can't walk for five minutes more. But yeah, the It's difference exhausting. between mm -hmm. Yeah, it's exhausting. it, And it's exhausting I go. at a, at several layers. It's not just physical. It's emotional, mental, all of it. Yeah. So changing coordination is a big deal. And if you guys play around with these two ideas, because when people ask me what is straight on a circle, I go, it's literal. 
the horse is straight through the midline while tracking a circle. So to me, it's a literal thing. And people go, oh, straight on a circle means the midline matches the shape of the circle. I go, that's not straight. That's bent. To me, it's literal. It's a broomstick, right? And you can even jump on your muck fork and go out trotting a circle and your muck fork never bends. <laughs> it does not have to bend to get around a very tight circle, right? That's how we use our body. It's how the horses use their body. And we don't even notice that our legs are adducting and abducting. Right. We don't notice that our legs are moving us slightly sideways in order to turn. And we don't have to bend our spine to accomplish that. Right. Because we don't do that when we yeah. walk around a circle. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. We don't walk around turning don't around. Walk around but... <laughs> Come on, people. Yeah. So it's possible even with four legs instead of yes. two. Yes. Well, thank you for entertaining my frustration for the day. <laughs> no, it comes up. It may come up again. It's it's it something. I was like, I can't believe I'm running into this again. No, and I think that's the point of the podcast for you and I meeting is to just plant some seeds out there in the horse world because some of the mechanical strife that we put our horses in mm. is not intentional and it's perpetuated generation to generation, trainer to student to trainer to student, even judges. And, and I just go, we need to stop people. We need to well, stop. And I know Jean-Luc Cornel said once at um, one of his workshops, even if you're an upper level rider competing, you don't practice your test every day. You, you know, you set your horse up and you up so that that is easy. By you strengthen doing... the body yeah. to do the test. To do mm -hmm. the test. It's not that the test is not the end all. Right. And I think that's the concept we're missing. Or the other thing, what I really took away as a student of Jean-Luc was Coming out of the Cadenois, which is the classical French school of riding, it's like even he was, we have to respect the classical writings and the classical ideas, but also hold them up to the light of new knowledge. Of the new, new stuff. And yes. Oh. And if it is accurate or maybe we tweak our understanding of these old words it's not that the old words are wrong i go it's sometimes our interpretation oh, or the explanation mm -hmm. and as we have the capacity to do more and more research we have better and better tools of measurement right so science can sort of give us the benefit of how does this really work on a fundamental mechanical level with the body and that's how we stay in line with always working in a way that's in our horse's best interest rather than sort of making our horse tolerate or work with our outdated ideas, which they will do, but we pay the vet bills. <clears throat> we pay the vet bills. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how I put it to several clients. Um we can work on improving biomechanics or you can just keep calling the vet. Yeah. 
Yeah. And some of those treatments, even when we give the most, do the most expensive diagnostics and give the most expensive treatments, nine out of 10 people I finally talked to about rehab work, that treatment only lasted so long. And then the problem came back. Right. And then another round of either expensive diagnostics or another round of expensive treatments and the problem still comes back. And I go, that's you because don't change the movement, <clears throat> you're going to get the problem back. Yeah. If you don't change the movement that created the yeah. concussion in the first place, then you're just buying some temporary fixes. Agreed. Yeah. And the best person to change the movement is the rider, the person who's getting the horse to move every day. That's where you change coordination. It doesn't happen in a massage or with the vet treatment or the farrier. I go, all of that's important, but it's how the horse moves on a consistent daily basis that really determines the overall function and health of the body. And that's in our hands. That's in our hands it as is. riders. It's our responsibility. Yeah. And it, it, can really turn around a lameness issue or enhance the performance in any competition we want to ride in. But it's a totally, like right now, it's an earth shattering paradigm shift for most riders. <laughs> it's a big deal just to even think differently, but it's possible. Yes. Wrap it up there, I think. Yeah. Okay. Any final words you want to add? I'd love to get feedback from everybody. <laughs> I know. Love the comments, you guys. Yeah. And if you have questions, and I will put more video yeah. support also on um, my YouTube channel. Yeah, that'd be cool. To show some of these things. Yeah. That would be great. Yeah. And just like everybody else, we have a little bit of winter in Florida that doesn't make it easy to do video. So <clears throat> yeah, videoing here in Virginia has pretty much come to a halt with the snowstorms. I know. I know. So my YouTube videos slowed down quite a bit the past few months because I'm like, I just can't get it done. I get it. Spring All right, you guys. The, corner. <clears throat> <clears throat> the last of my cough. Sorry. Thank you all for joining us so much. We really appreciate um, all the new subscribers, all the shares, all the likes, all the comments. It keeps us meeting and going <laughs> and talking about these things that I don't, I don't hear many people talking about. That's why no, we that's talk why about we them. we have to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys. Right. Take care. Have fun. And we will see you on the next episode of the Horse Geeks podcast. Bye, everybody. Bye.